One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 145. Today, we're back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and we are talking about Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is one of those books that is so often recommended to me and so many other creative folks who do work like this, and I'm excited that we are finally digging into it on Making Good Book Club. So if you haven't listened to an episode of Making Good Book Club yet, here's how it works. Making Good now has a book club where once a month, my amazing co-host Sherelle Griffith and I discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business and we'll share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. So let's talk about Big Magic. Big Magic is not an instruction manual, but a series of inspirational stories and messages that teach us about how to live a fulfilling creative life, whatever creative means to you. In this book club episode, we talk about what a creative life actually looks like and what big magic is, the role of fear in creativity and how to approach it, where ideas come from, the power of following your curiosity, treating your work like a job, passion versus curiosity, our key takeaways from the book specifically for small business owners, and much more. As always, this was a great conversation, and I love doing this book club with Sherelle because we always take away such different things. Stay tuned through the end of the episode so that you don't miss the book that we announce is our pick for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club. And just a reminder that if you want the updates on book club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club. Okay, let's get into this month's book club episode all about big magic. Hey, Sherelle, welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited for today. Me too. So today we're talking about Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And there have been a few books that we've talked about so far that have been recommended over and over and over again to me and by guests on this podcast um, and just like come up in my world a lot. And this is probably one of the ones that that's been the most true for. Um, before we had it for the book club, I actually had never finished it and I don't have a good reason for why. Um, so I'm really thrilled that we went over it for this book club and I have tons of notes on sticky notes in front of me and excited to, to kind of dig into the big takeaway. So yeah, overall, Sherelle, what would you say this book is about? (laughs) I find it actually quite a hard book to like sum up in terms of I think I'm like you said about it's a book that gets recommended a lot like her idea of creative living and like really like expressing your creativity like getting to live a creative life but it's not necessarily 
in the way you think. So I think actually someone that doesn't class myself as creative, I still really found the book useful and it gave me loads of like takeaways. So I think I don't want to say like, oh, it's about having a creative life. And then you're like, well, I don't, I'm not a creative person. Like actually everyone is, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And the concept of big magic is kind of alluded to a few times throughout the book. And I'm not sure it's like totally defined in one concise way, but it's basically about what happens when you like follow your curiosity and like let ideas come and like actually work on them. Like what happens when you pursue your curiosity, I guess, is how I would describe it. And yeah, Sherelle, like you say, I do think this is relevant to pretty much anyone who's making something of any kind, whether you're a business owner or like a physical artist, like you might think is more, this is more apply, like applicable to. It's actually anyone who's creating something I think would benefit from this. Um, and to me, it's really like a series, the way it's structured is a series of pep talks, almost like little <laughs> stories, little pep talks. It's not instructional, I would say. No. Like it's definitely a meandering sort of like little lessons here and there. And like definitely many of them are super memorable and made me think a lot, but it's not an instruction manual as much as like, it's almost like a speech or something. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Because actually, when I was trying to think before, like when I went, if you could see the copy of mine, it is full of post-it notes. Like there is so much. <laughs> like, there's so many bits that I did love. But you're right. It's because it's not how to. Like it's not as if you. I left with loads of action points, even though I found it really inspiring and there's lots to talk about. So actually, I think that's quite a good way of summing it up. It's, it, yeah, it would be like a really inspiring very long speech. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the way that we're going to approach this conversation, just because it is less like linear in the way that it's laid out is we're going to just sort of alternate talking about some of our key points and maybe going back and forth a little bit on them. And then toward the end of our conversation, we will pull together some of our key takeaways, relevant to small business owners and how you can use some of what you learned in this book or what we learned in this book and apply that to your small business. So why don't we kick off with just going back and forth on some of the big takeaways we had? Do you want to go first? Yeah. So I think I wanted to quickly just actually do her definition of creative living, just because as we said, it's not necessarily like creative as we might put creatives in our mind. So she talks about Mm -hmm. how creative living it's her I'm talking about a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than fear and I think that the thread of curiosity is something that like keeps on coming up within the book so basically it's just this idea of like are you someone that is like following your curiosity seeing curiosity taking the steps you know this idea of like um stepping so it's like if you're a little bit curious and you try something then it like opens a new door and you see how that goes and it might lead somewhere good and it might not, but it's going to mm-hmm. open something different. And then you like keep on following that. And as someone who doesn't define myself as being a creative, I actually really liked this idea of like following curiosity though. And just being like, actually, and also someone who plans all the time. It's like, sometimes things don't go, they don't happen on plan. Sometimes things might just, you know, you might have this urge, this itch, this like, mm, I want to try that. And actually following that, rather than listening to some of maybe the negative things you might like have in the back of your head. That's what being a creative living is all about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like that you made a point of describing that a creative life is about following your curiosity over fear. And Mm -hmm. I think fear, like you just talked a bit about curiosity, which I love that concept. And I agree, it was kind of like a main thread throughout the book. The other concept there is fear, which is also one of the big themes that carries across the whole book. And she has a really smart, in my opinion, like way of describing fear and describing her approach and her suggestions for how we should all approach fear. And the analogy she uses or the metaphor she uses is about driving a car and how it's not that we should aim to just not have the fear come with us on our road trips, road trips being like our creative pursuits. It's not that we should try to kick them out of the car or not invite them because fear will come. Like it's just part of the process when you're doing new things. So her mental image that she paints about this is fear can come in the car. They can, you know, play with the music. They can voice their opinions. <laughs> they can sit in the passenger seat. They can do whatever they want, but they cannot drive. Like they are allowed to be there, but they are not making decisions. They are not guiding your action. And to me, this is such a helpful way of thinking about fear. I remember when I first started to read this book years ago, I did read this part and I've thought about it ever since. Um, as you know, fear comes up for all of us when we're doing new things, especially. And to me, I think one of the things I used to believe is that if fear is there, then that means we shouldn't do the thing or that was a good reason not to do the thing. And I think this image of like fear sitting in the back seat or the passenger seat is really helpful in saying like, no, it can be there and you can still decide to move forward. And in fact, oftentimes the best things we do are things where the fear is there and we've decided to let it be there and to move forward anyway. So I really love that metaphor about the car and the passenger seat. Uh Whereas I like the bit just before it, which is actually about bravery versus fearlessness. And this idea that, we can feel as if we like, like you were saying, like you need to welcome fear. You need to accept fear. You need it to be in your life. And so actually what she said is like, it's not about trying to get over fear. It's not as if it's never going to disappear. So you don't want to be fearlessness because that means mm-hmm. like you don't actually have like feeling. You don't, if you can't feel fear, you also you can't feel everything else. Whereas it's about being brave, like actually being like, I can do scary things. I can face my fears. I can do the things that, I don't really like don't excite me in terms of like there's something scary about them there's something like I'm worried about but I actually can say no there's something bigger behind that that I'm willing to be brave and still put myself forward mm-hmm. yeah I really like the distinction between bravery and fearlessness like they're not yeah. the same we're not trying to be fearless we are trying to be brave so yeah that's a great point Another big takeaway that I had from this was there's a big chapter kind of near this fear part about how a lot of us feel like we need qualifications to do things. We need degrees and and masters of fine arts if we want to be a painter and like a fancy certificate to give us permission basically to do things. And she puts a lot of effort and kind of revisit revisits the concept that actually the way to get good at things, almost anything, pretty much anything, um, unless it's like, you know, heart surgery, like, yes, please go to school for that. But creative things, the way to get good at it is to do it, not necessarily to, you know, go into debt to get a degree about it or to 
you know, chase a bunch of different shiny objects. She has a quote that I think is so beautiful and I've, I've used and shared a lot, which is, it is a simple and generous rule of life that whatever you practice, you will improve at. And I think it's, it's so simple, but it's so helpful to keep that in mind that if there's something you want to get better at, the way to do that is just to do it over and over again. It's not to read about it necessarily. It's not to get a degree. It's not to go listen to other people talk about it. It's to do it consistently. And this applies to like art and whatever you're physically making. If you're a maker, if you're a service provider, if you're a craft there, if you, if we're talking about your marketing, like anything in life that you want to be better at, the way to do that is to do it consistently. So I love that. Love, love, love that. Mm. And obviously I love that because, you know, that's like everything I talk about. <laughs> but uh, one of the things in this book, when I think about what memory I have, so when everyone actually asks me about big magic, one of the things I always remember is uh, Liz's like mentality around where I, creative ideas come from and how they work. So this is all in a chapter called Enchantment and it, it literally just, I remember the first time I read it, I was just like, what? So her theory, <laughs> is, her theory is sort of like there are ideas are floating around, looking basically what I describe as like a human host. So they they can't become like into fruition. They can't like become created unless they have to find a human. They find a human, but what will happen is you an idea will come, and then if you do not commit to fulfilling that idea, you not say like you say to the idea like. I'm going to follow through. I'm going to make you come true. Then the idea will float away and it'll go find another human host. And she actually has like this story of where there was like a book she wanted to write and she'd like start, I think she started to write it and then she mm-hmm. stopped. And then um, years later she was talking to someone else and she was like adamant basically that that idea had left her <laughs> and gone to this other person, this other author then because that author committed and followed through, they actually wrote a book on it. And I mean, it is what, like for a logical person, it's a very wild way of thinking, but mm-hmm. I think it is, it's, I still really like that idea that actually being like, that's why if you have an idea, you have to act on it. And this idea that like, they're not going to stay around forever. And I think it's the same, like we can think in terms of, you know, when you get an idea and it's like ideas will always come when you're not at your computer. Like when you're like in the shower, when you're in the middle of the countryside with nothing to write anything down with, that's when you get all these inspirations. And it's like you have to grab inspiration the moment it comes because otherwise it will float away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we know, I feel like I'm a little more woo-woo than you generally, Sherelle. Yeah. But even I, like this was a little much for me, this concept. And so reading it, I think it's possible that this is where I got hung up and stopped reading the first time I okay. read the book. Um, <laughs> but this time I was practicing like, you know, you don't have to take everything. Like read the book, like take what's helpful and you can leave other parts. So for me... This isn't necessarily a super helpful way of thinking about creativity. Like it doesn't totally resonate with me. But one thing that I do think is interesting that's kind of related to this concept you just described of how like her view of how ideas work is she described how creative people in until like recent centuries were described as having a genius mm-hmm. not being a genius yeah and so if you create a masterpiece and you have a genius and you are not the genius 
then some of the credit gets taken away from you, right? But the same is true when you fail miserably. It's like, okay, well, it wasn't you. Like, so it kind of distances you a little bit when you think about things this way from all of the ego stuff that goes with creating and having other people react to it. For me, what I took from this concept was putting a little bit of distance from what you make and who you are is healthy and helpful. If you can find ways to, and this is so difficult, but find ways to let the the process of creating be kind of what you're going for instead of like always, what is the outcome? Like, for example, if you're a writer, if the only way that you view yourself as a success is if your book gets picked up by a major publishing house and gets on the New York Times bestselling list, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. And Mm -hmm. you're kind of, you're setting yourself up maybe to like have a harder time at actually being satisfied where if you decide that like the reward is the actual exercise of following your curiosity and doing the craft of writing, that's a much sort of healthier way to approach creativity in her view. And I, I do agree with that. So for me, that just makes me think of like, how can I distance myself a little bit from the outcome, like do things that I love doing, create stuff I'm really proud of, but not have my whole self-worth be wrapped up in what other people say about it or, you know, how it sells or whatever. Yeah. I I think that's a really hard one. Actually, even someone that runs a business, I remember when I was like, that's how you can still feel about like a brand. It's like this idea of like, you've got to keep it up and everything is like, whatever you do can only sort of like knock you further down, basically. Like you just feel as if like your external validation, that's what it's about. And if you've got to the point where you've got a certain level, it's like, actually, I can't take myself because she talks about like being able to take yourself lightly and create freely and sort of like have a flop like this idea that you know there's many artists where you're like it's not like every single thing they turned out was amazing like they can have a book in between that's not great they can have a painting and everyone's like what on earth is that and actually <laughs> that, but like that's like part of it is like sometimes you, you know like my background was in performing arts like I'd go to dance shows and be like what on earth happened this one but the one before I loved and the one after I loved and like actually that is the reality of when you push yourself creatively is that you're not always going to have, it's not going to always work every single time, but that's how you learn. Um, And like, it can happen for businesses where you just feel like there's so much pressure and everyone's looking at you and you have to do it perfect that you sort of take it a bit too seriously and you don't give yourself the opportunity to play, to be like, to experiment. And I think that's something that as small business owners, just remembering like, actually, like how can you give yourself the space to be able to create, I suppose, and fail, which is obviously something we've spoken about before. Totally. Yeah. She shares the example of Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, who after that book never really wrote again because the Mm. pressure was so immense of like, how can you ever match that kind of? Like if you believe that your best work is behind you, how do you go and create new things? And so having the willingness to always be putting new things out there, even if you have a good sense that like, they're not all going to do awesome, you know, and being okay with that. Um, It's kind of, you know, it takes some humility, especially if you have already had some big success, for example, in the business context, like if you launch something, it goes really well. Um, You have these super high expectations. And then the next time you launch, it doesn't like that's 
hard, mm-hmm. but the willingness to like keep putting things out there over and over again is, is kind of what we have to do. Otherwise, you know, we run the risk of doing what Harper Lee did, which is you write this amazing book and then you're too scared basically to write anymore because you don't want to not match up. And as a result, like she probably could have written so many more incredible things that because of just how difficult this like is mentally to get your head around, she didn't. So I thought that was a really great example. Yeah. And I think if you think about from businesses, particularly like what you just mentioned about launching, like if you're bringing out something new, it's like there's always going to be a risk. But if you just keep doing the same thing, you only have the same product or the same service, over time, your business will like it will deteriorate. Like the world is going to keep on moving and you're going to be standing still. And so actually you do have to be like, I have to put, create, do whatever new things and some of them will work and some of them won't. But that's actually essential if I actually want to ensure that I have a business that runs for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I really liked was how she spoke about work and her approaching to work. Um, And this idea that even though she definitely believes there are like genius that will help her and ideas of floating around and coming to her and all this type of stuff, she's also definitely not someone that waits to be inspired. And this really spoke to me because Mm -hmm. probably because the amount of business owners I've worked with when it comes to creating content which people think obviously is a creative activity for them to like create videos or write something that they're like waiting for inspiration instead she says um I work either way you see assisted or unassisted because that is what you must do in order to live a fully creative life and she's like yes it's great when I'm assisted and that when my genius is on my shoulder and that's amazing but if it is just if it is just me I still sit down and I still do work. And there is definitely, there's like other examples where she just really talks about this idea that's like, if you say you are a writer, like you get up and you write every day. That is what you do. You don't actually run around a field and wait to be inspired. Yeah, totally. This part about inspiration and about like the way that you approach your creativity in like a professional way, I guess, really reminded me of The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, where... Yeah, it's like, even though it is a creative thing, even though a lot of it is you working it out as you go and figuring things out, the best way to approach it and the way that's going to lead to like the best result is viewing it as a job, essentially, like sitting down, whether you feel inspired or not, and doing something. She described times where like, some days she could write for hours and hours and hours, and it was just flowing out of her and other days she would force herself to like scribble something down for 30 minutes. The key is that she consistently every day sits down to practice. And I thought that was really smart because I've definitely fallen into that trap of like, oh, I'm doing creative things. Like I'm going to do what I feel like when I feel like it. And that is not a way to approach something that matters to you really. So yeah, I really liked that tip. Yeah, no, it's definitely... Definitely one, and I think, like I said, if we if we think of it from like a business perspective, I think like changing your approach to creating content that lesson. Like I think there are so many business owners that do wait to be inspired, and I'm like, that's why you're so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so definitely yeah. a real uh, parallel between creativity in the more traditional sense, and then creativity from a business owner perspective. Hmm. Another thing that is somewhat related is there's a whole conversation about frustration 
and not viewing frustration in the process as a sign that like you're on the wrong track. Basically, she she quoted like a blog article, I think from Mark Manson, where he described like the best way to live a creative life. I'm totally paraphrasing from memory. So (laughs) confirm this. But it's basically like, pick something that you mind the sucky parts of the least. So no matter what you do, like, you know, if it's the thing you love most in the world, painting or writing or marketing, whatever it is, there's going to still be parts of it that you don't love. And not viewing that as a sign that like, oh, you're not on the right track. Like being willing to sit through the frustrating parts, holding yourself together through it is going to be a critical part of like continuing to live a creative life. If you want to like consistently stick with it, you're going to have to understand that like, it's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to flow, but finding something you love enough or you're willing to suffer through the frustration of is kind of where you're going to excel. Yeah. She says like how you manage yourself between those bright moments when things are going so great is a measure of how devoted you are to your vocation and that I like I I, for businesses like you know ups and downs are absolutely normal like no one has a business story that is like this perfect linear line that's just like a slow ascension (laughs) that's not what happens like there's ups there's down you have great months you had bad months things are going great you get a complete and utter uh I don't know what the word is just like something that comes out of the blue that totally knocks all your confidence and you know might be a major issue but then you pick yourself back up and you carry on going and it is that thing about what can you be committed to enough that yes when it is hard when it's not all the great and all the glory and all the beautiful bright moments that you still want to keep you going that's what makes a difference and that's where you can tell that's what you should be like committed to yeah um, one of the things I really liked was this idea, there's a conversation around originality and authenticity. And I'm probably one of those people that runs away every single time someone tries to talk, have a talk about authenticity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think it's so overused. But I really liked this idea where she was just like, stop trying to have this obsession with being original. Because she was just like, most things have already been done, but they haven't been done by you. And then once you put your expression and passion behind an idea, that idea becomes yours. And I just find that actually, I do find that quite freeing just to stop trying to be like, I've got to reinvent the wheel. You don't. Yeah. 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 There's a bunch of different kind of just almost like mindset one-liners that I think we could go over. That (laughs) is one of them. Another one that I was like a very good visual for me is to give your mind a job to do, or it will find a job to do. And she Mm. describes the analogy here as like a border collie, which are very smart dogs, but they kind of need to be occupied or they tend to like create disaster. For example, if you like have your border collie doing agility training or have with a job, they'll do it amazingly. But if you don't, they're going to like eat your couch or like destroy your house basically. So (laughs) I really actually resonated with this. I'm a major overthinker. Um, I can really get in my head. And if I do, that can stop me or I can stop myself from making progress. So to me, this is really all about like action and just kind of defaulting to taking action instead of defaulting to overthinking and 
planning and researching, like this is kind of the journey <laughs> I've been on for the last few years, which I have gotten so much better at, but it's, it's always like, it's a daily practice of like, okay, let's, let's think a little bit less and do a little bit more. So that was a big one for me. And I love the visual with the border collie. Yeah. So really, you like all the, <laughs> I love, I love having this conversation with you because the things we both pick up on are so different because you really resonate with like stories. Whereas I just forget all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of stories I forgot, but things that are really visual, like yeah. visual metaphors are so helpful That's for it. me. And like, this border collie is never going away. It's part of my life. That's now. it. It's metaphors. You like metaphors. That's it. I remember from another book. That's your thing. Was I'm like I've yeah. got no time for metaphors. But um, <laughs> um, <sighs> but the other thing I but one thing I did really like was this idea of she just says at some point you really just have to finish your work and release it as it is. And this idea, like it's all around this idea of perfectionism. And how mm-hmm. perfectionism can be hiding itself as fear. We can be thinking we're trying to make it perfect, but really we're just really fearful of putting it out in the world. And she's just like, stop. Like, there's a point where enough is enough and get it out there. And I think actually, like, particularly when I think of some of the business owners I talk to that are beyond multi multi-passionate, there's literally like 17,000 half-started projects, courses they wanted mm-hmm. to do, books that they've half written, like, just, you know, when you just talk to people and you're like, why have you got 75 domain names? <laughs> oh, sorry, is that just me? Um, so this idea that it's just like, just you, you can be putting everything off for so long because you're trying to finish it. And and that goes back to, you know, what we said earlier about if you put in too much pressure on yourself about the standard it's meant to be. And it's like, no, just get to a point where you're like, good is enough and release it as it is. And I think that is a lesson like lots of people, I'm sure, every single person listening can think of something that you're like, I have got a half version of something somewhere. And actually what would it take for me to finish it and get it out? Yeah. This kind of brings me to a theme toward the end of the book, which is about just like taking everything a little bit less seriously, no matter what you're doing for the most part, if we're talking about creative work, making things and most of our businesses are not like life or death. For the most part, we can probably stand to take everything a little bit less seriously and put a little bit less pressure on it and just kind of approach things a little bit more playfully. So like you say, like, yeah, if you've been working on something over and over and over again, and like it's been on your list forever, like it's probably time to just put it out into the world and move on to the next thing. Not getting too attached, I think, is an important part of this. Like just... Perfectionism really is what it is, but yeah. being willing to just kind of like release it and move on to the next thing, like that's that's how you make progress instead of just like stagnating. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I thought you didn't talk about this, but you skipped over it. Was this idea? Another Ooh. theme was around like the addiction to suffering and like mm. anguish and pain, and how like artists really like resonate with this idea. Like you have to go through pain to create true art. And I, as someone that has spent a lot of time with artists in the past, really was like, there are people that really do hold on to that ideal, that actually yeah. it can't be joyful, it can't be happy, actually has to be really painful and struggle and hard. And if you think that's the only way to create, I mean, even if I think of like the amount of um, like songs that are written after a breakup, it's like actually... Right. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to always be like, that's why people probably keep on having so many breakups because they're like, that's the only way for me to write another album. 
Yeah. Um, she actually d- described, she said Rufus Wainwright, the musician, said something to that effect where he was kind of afraid to get into like a stable relationship because he'd have no more material. <laughs> And it's like, that's not a way to live your life in a positive way. Like, you don't want to be forcing yourself to have to have a hard life because that's the only way for you to create. Like, yeah, get basically get rid of the tormented artist in terms of, like, that vision. Um, You can create art from a happy, joyful place as well. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And she even says, like, she would argue that many of the most famous artists who like are kind of that stereotypical tormented artist figure in history in particular, many of them like have succeeded despite like their problems and pain and struggles, not because of them. Oh yeah. Then uh, there was a conversation around passion versus curiosity. And I'm always, anything that ever talks about passion, it always sparks my uh interest but liz is very much also like actually forget a bit about passion like she's not someone that says all you need to do is follow your passion and everything will be fine for her it's definitely about curiosity it's definitely about that is the way to the truth that is the way to like find out what's next um and her thing is very much just like follow curiosity see what it leads to next then follow the next clue the next clue and actually for me i the reason probably why it really speaks to me is because I truly am like where I am right now was literally because I just was like, Oh, I really like reading these books. And I want to talk to other women that want to read these books. And I started Papa's book club. And I truly believe if I hadn't have taken that first step, I never would have gone online in the way I did. I never would have understood what this whole world of like running an online business was. And I wouldn't then have the business I have today. Um, Like Mm -hmm. for me, it's so clear that that journey has come from just being like, oh, I'll try this. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to try. Oh, apparently people have Facebook groups. Oh, let me try this. Oh, what's this YouTube channel? And I just like kept trying things and trying things. And that has led to today. And I'm like, I can really clearly see that that wasn't a, even though I am passionate about my business today, it came from curiosity. Like it absolutely came from just being like, what if I did this? What if I did that? Um, and that is like, mm-hmm. as someone, as I said, who's mainly a normal planner, that is a very, was a very different way of me living my life. So I think there is this take the pressure off if you are someone right now that's like, I don't have a clear passion. Because it can be really hard when people keep being like, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? So you don't have to be passionate about something, but you probably are curious about something. and try it follow it and see what happens yeah that's I love that you shared that example because the same has been true for me with basically like all of my favorite things in my life now have been Mm -hmm. from like you know the podcast for example when I started making good I didn't have a business around it I had no business plan associated with it it was just like I like this content I like talking about it like talking with other people about these kinds of topics I'm going to do it. And it's led to so many of the favorite things that I have in my life. The same was true with like my stationary business. It was like, oh, let me try my hand at calligraphy, then watercolor. And then it just kind of like taking the logical next step of what feels exciting and fun. Yeah, that's been the way that I've gotten to like all of the best things in my life. So I love that reminder that like it doesn't have to feel like a deep passion in the beginning. Mm. Um, It just has to feel exciting even in some small way um and I think that's it's so reassuring because I've never been one of those people who like 
you know, woke up one day in 11th grade and was like, oh, my passion in life is medicine or this or this. Like I've always kind of just not known. And so the permission to just like follow the next small curiosity has been something I've just found myself doing and has been amazing. And like my favorite way to live life is just to like kind of go with what feels exciting in the moment, even if I don't have like a 10 year plan behind it. And also, I think for everyone, if you say, like, what are you passionate about? That could be really hard. What are you interested in? You could probably write 10 things down really quickly. And actually that, like, really, when we start to think about curiosity, it's just, like, identifying what are you interested in and then, like, seeing how you can explore those areas further. And actually everyone can do that. Whereas actually to sit Mm -hmm. down and be like, what am I passionate about? Can be quite daunting. So, yeah, I think there's a real lesson in that idea of, like, curiosity and if you're like yeah basically just take it back to what am I interested in and is there any way I could spend more time doing the things I'm interested in basically (laughs) that's it yeah totally so what would be some of your and I know we've touched on some of these already but like if we had to maybe each come up with a couple of your key takeaways that you feel like if the average small business owner listening to this podcast kept in mind they would be so well-served in their business and in their work. What would be kind of like the big ones for you? So I definitely would say this idea of creating no matter what. So definitely, obviously, from my perspective, when I think about marketing, like stop waiting for inspiration to come, like commit uh, to what you're going to create for your business in terms of content, in terms of your marketing and stick to it um, and get that level of discipline and commitment. That's like definitely one thing for me. And then the other thing I really think is this idea of taking the pressure away from yourself and releasing what you've half created. Like if you can finish it if you need to, if it generally is half created and it needs a bit more finishing. But I just genuinely believe there are so, like most of the business owners I know are so creative. Like they've got so many ideas and they're just like sitting in notebooks and on laptops that are lost. And I'm just like, actually, what would happen if you committed and took the pressure off what actually happens, but just being like, let's just put that out there and see. And maybe two people buy it, maybe a hundred buy it. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. But actually, either way, that is the only way I really see you like continuing to evolve your business. So you've got to do it. Yeah. And a big part of how you do that, how you put things out into the world even if they don't feel perfect or like even close to perfect to you is I think what my number one big takeaway would be, which is about how you approach fear Mm -hmm. and being willing to do things that are scary. Yeah. I think is kind of a mindset shift that a lot of us have to make. Um, Being willing to put something out into the world that you've created that you know, isn't perfect like that is actually scary for most of us. And so it takes a real commitment to like a, our creative pursuits and a real willing willingness to be brave to actually do that. And so I think this reframe of how to think about fear and how you can let it be there. She had a quote about it, which was, it seems to me that the less I fight my fear, the less it fights back. Um, so just like letting it be there and not making too much of it, I think is one of my biggest takeaways. Um, the second one would be kind of what we just talked about, about curiosity and the power of letting yourself follow what lights you up and what makes you curious and excited. I think there is 
to me, when I think about big magic, there will just be a little something that is excited, exciting to you. And like when you follow that, that to me is where all the best things come from. When you follow mm-hmm. that like fun and excitement and joy, that would be my second takeaway is like whether it's marketing, whether it's your work, whether it's planning the year to come, like ask yourself what feels exciting, what you're curious about trying and lean into that a little bit and just take the next step and kind of, I guess you have permission not to have like the end in mind when you try something new, um, but to let yourself just kind of play with it. Yeah. I really like that point about not having the end in mind. And obviously like I am all for having a goal, but I think maybe like you can have, you can have some that you don't to get what I mean, like adding that in. And I think if you are someone, the thing I think about this book is I think if you are naturally like a very creative person, obviously there's like great, uh, like it'll probably inspire you and you'll run off and really enjoy it but I think for people that maybe aren't as naturally this way thinking also it's going to push you in a different way um, and that's a good thing like I really enjoyed having to revisit it and just be like actually we need these reminders there's not many books I think that are written in this style um, and Liz definitely has a very like specific way of writing and like mm-hmm. like like I think it's a really nice book to read if that makes sense so if you want to like have a little escape from the the other business books this is a really lovely one to read yeah it feels like a little treat somehow (laughs) like it's very lovely it's and like I said like no matter who you are whether you're like me who likes the metaphors that will stick in your head or you like stories or more like Sherelle, just like get to the point. What are the key takeaways? Like, I think almost anyone can take something from this. So yeah. I hope if you read it, you found that to be the case. And if you haven't read it, I think this would be a good read for just about anyone, but especially someone who finds themselves stuck, I guess, creatively or stuck when it comes to creating something and putting it out in the world. Or I'd say someone that feels as if they're playing small because the mm-hmm. whole like being brave play like you could argue that big magic is also about like playing big so I think yeah if you feel as if you know there is something bigger inside of you that haven't managed to like actually let out it would also be a good one to read absolutely well okay this was fun as always shall we talk about our next book yeah I'll let you do the honors I'll do your drum roll Okay. <laughs> so the next book we're talking about is called Drop the Ball, Achieving More by Doing Less. And it is by Tiffany Dufu. And let me actually just pull up her description of it so that I get it right. Drop the Ball urges women to embrace imperfection, to expect less of themselves and more from others. Only then can they focus on what they truly care about, devote the necessary energy to achieving their real goals and create the type of rich, rewarding life that we all desire. So this, again, is not necessarily a business book, but so many of the books that I think help us all the most in business are the ones that, you know, are basically more about how we approach life overall. As Lauren said, it definitely is not like a business book, but I'm still really excited for this book. I really like the idea of having a little bit less on my plate. So I'm going to be reading this whilst I'm on holiday and I think it's going to be perfect. So if you haven't already read the book, then do grab a copy, have a read and come and listen to us talk about it next month. Yes, absolutely. I'm so excited to go over this one with you and the rest of the book club and we will talk to you next month.
So there you have it. I mentioned in this episode that there are quite a few moments from this book that are really stuck in my mind now and help me think differently about things like fear and perfectionism. I hope that you find this book to be as useful and memorable as we did. If you read the book, I know Sherelle and I would both love to hear from you. You can DM us on Instagram and let us know your thoughts. We would love to chat. I'm at Lauren Tilden and Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith. You can find details from this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 145. Now, as you heard, we have announced our book for next month's edition of Making Good Book Club, and that is Drop the Ball, Achieve More by Doing Less by Tiffany Dufu. This book is about finding ways to live a more fulfilling life by doing less, and I am here for that conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can get back to making good. First, I would be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. And third, I'd be so grateful if you would take a screenshot in your podcast player while you're listening and then tag me on Instagram at Lauren Tilden and Sherelle at Sherelle Griffith. We would love to connect with you. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.